0: Good evening, everybody. Still kind of floating in here. It's time to begin our service this afternoon. You'll notice the mic is working, but it's not the same way. So during the songs, in order for me not to blast out and be the only one heard on the stream, I'm going to stand over to the side. Um, Hopefully that'll pick up everybody that way instead of just me. So if you see me go to the side during a song, I'm doing that on purpose. Um, tonight we'll have three songs, and then Jeremy has reading and prayer. I hear it's got a lot of names in there, so look forward to that. <laughs> prayer will come first. Um, we'll have one more song after that, and then Chris will have our lesson this evening. Our first song to this afternoon will be number 866. I will call upon the Lord. If you would let stand, please.
1: I will call upon the Lord. Of my salvation be exalted The Lord liveth and blessed be the rock Let the God of my salvation be exalted Jesus Christ died for me And he took away my sin I will live with him for eternity The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, let God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, let God of my salvation be exalted.
0: Our next song is number six twenty two. Six twenty two. Tell me the story of Jesus. Sing the first and last verses.
1: Tell me. Jesus. Yeah. tell me the story of jesus write on my heart every word tell
0: Our next song is on the overhead only. It's The Greatest Commands. I have alto, bass, tenor, and then soprano, and we'll do the, we'll basically be singing it five times through, so everybody will sing at least twice.
2: you pray with me, please. Father in heaven, we are uh, truly thankful for what you give to us, for what you have done in our lives. We're thankful, Father, for the opportunities that we have and the freedoms that we have, the chance that we have, Father, to assemble together and worship and praise. We pray, Father, that you continue to watch over each of us, Father, and what we do, and help us to live our lives for you and be an example to those around us, to show your love uh, to them through us, to be servants of what you've given us, to use all that we have, Father, in your service and to your glory. We're thankful, Father, for the time of year when most of the world recognizes your son. Uh, We're thankful, Father, that whether correct or incorrect, we're thankful that your son is um, thought about mentioned, praised through this time. We're thankful for the attitude of, of peace and goodwill and uh, the good things that are done, Father, in your name. We pray, Father, you help each of us to reflect that each day and just help us to do better each day, uh, to be more like him, to be more uh, like You, what you want us to be. We want to ask, Father, for your blessing on many that we're c- concerned about. There are so many, Father, who are sick. Um, We just ask a special prayer, Father, for each of them, for your healing, for your strength, for your courage and comfort where it's needed. Help us to do anything that we can, Father, to help those in crisis. Help us to be an encouragement and a a blessing to them as well. Continue to guide our lives, Father, through the service tonight, through this uh, worship service, Father, may it be pleasing to you. And may each of our days be pleasing to you as well. Strengthen us where we are weak and where we struggle. Forgive us, Father, of our sins. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The reading tonight is taken from Second Kings chapter 15. Uh, beginning in verse 32. In the second year of Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. His mother's name was Jerusha, daughter of Zadok. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Uzziah had done. The high places, however, were not removed. The people continued to offer their sacrifices and burn incense there. Jotham rebuilt the upper gate of the temple of the Lord. And as for the other events of Jotham's reign and what he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Judah? In those days, the Lord began to send Rezin, king of Aram and Pekah son of Remaliah against Judah. Jotham rested with his fathers and was buried with them in the city of David, the city of his father, and Ahaz, his son, succeeded him as king.
0: Good job, Jeremy. I have no idea if they were right, but it sounded good. <laughs> Our next song is number 44. Actually, if you are using your songbooks and like to mark the song of invitation, it's number 23. Uh, 23. All things are ready. Now, if you would let stand, we'll sing number 44. Anywhere is home. 44.
3: Good evening. It's good to see you back with us this evening. Uh, be turning to Second Chronicles chapter 27. Second Chronicles chapter 27. We are in the middle of a series we're calling Binge Reading Through the Bible. We're looking through some of the kings uh, that are found in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus. Because I think those, uh, those kings are important. And I think God has something that he wishes to teach us through each one of their lives. Um... There are a multiplicity of lessons that we could learn from probably several of these kings. Uh, tonight, the guy that we're learning about, his name is Jotham. and He doesn't have very much said about him, like some of the other kings of, of Judah that we've talked about and that we're going to talk about in the, in the coming weeks. We don't know just a ton about Jotham's life or the things that he did, but I think there are some important lessons that we can learn from him as well as so many of these other ones. You heard Jeremy read the... Uh, the, the, the king's account of Jotham's life. I think it's like nine verses long. It's a very short section of scripture. You get his story as well in Second Chronicles chapter 27, but it's not much longer. You get a little bit more information as the chronicler does sometimes. He gives us a little bit more information than the writer of Kings does. Because again, he's writing from a different purpose. He's looking at it through a different lens. Chronicles was written... To ensure the people of Israel that they still had relationship with God. Kings was written to indict Israel. Uh, Kings answers one question. Really, just one question. And the answer or the question that Kings answers is: Whose fault is the exile? Israel looked at God and they kind of pointed the finger at God. Was he not powerful enough to stop the the Assyrian and the Babylonian and the Persian empires from taking over them? Is this God's fault? And God in Kings gives a resounding, no, it's your fault. And so throughout the book of Kings, you'll find the author of Kings, via the Holy Spirit, of course, indicting the people. "This This is your sin. This is why he has sent you into captivity. This is why he is... Punishing you. It's your fault. It has nothing to do with his power. He is perfectly capable of doing whatever he wishes, whenever he wishes. But he can't be a part of sinful people. And so this demanded punishment. And this is, this is Israel's fault, Judah's fault even. Chronicles answers a different question. Chronicles has already assumed the answer to two kings. It is our fault. It's our sin that has landed us in exile. Chronicles assumes that is true and then asks a different question coming out of the answer to kings. The chronicler asks the question, can we ever have a relationship with God again? Are we completely lost? Has he completely shut us out? Are we no longer his people? Of course, that's coming, right? He cuts them off. Uh, at Jesus' death at the cross, he institutes a brand new covenant and where he welcomes in uh, the entire world. Not just one family, not just one nation, but the entire world is open. Into God opens up the kingdom to the entire, the entire world. But here, in the Old Testament, we're asking, has God cut off Israel? Are they still his people? And the answer is yes, they are still his people. He's still going to bless them. There is still hope to be found in Israel in relationship with God, if they will stay away from their sin, if they will refuse uh, themselves, if they will put Him first, if they will stop their idolatry, stop their immorality, then they can once again have a blessing relation, a blessed relationship with with God. In Second Chronicles chapter twenty-seven, you find the chronicler. Adapting a new technique to teach the same lesson, um, he's going through several different techniques to get to the answer to that question. In as he as he walks through this narrative portion of scripture, you kind of got to read it. And I, I, maybe we've we've done that uh, as we've walked through this series, but maybe you've seen that as we've gone through this series. Uh, he will put these stories back to back in such a way. And with phrases linking two or three or four stories, and that, that couplet forms one section in his book. Today he's doing something different. He's starting something new like that with Jotham. Jotham's dad was Uzziah. Uzziah, a good king, bad king. He was a good king. Uh, for the most part, Uzziah was a good man, righteous man. Toward the end of his life, he had a 52-year reign in Israel. It's longer than any other king will reign in Israel. It's impressive, uh, even though he he was a co-regent with his own father and will be a co-regent with his son, Jotham, toward the end of his life because of his leprosy. He gets leprosy, Uzziah, Jotham's dad does, because of his pride. He thinks that he can just walk into the temple and that he can offer a sacrifice just like a priest can. Now, this morning, I I like these two series back-to-back because Hebrews is talking about how this old law is abolished while this study in the Old Testament is so focused on the old law. And Uzziah is kind of a perfect example of that. He is not from the tribe of Levi. He is from the tribe of Judah, right? Judah's where the kings come from, specifically through David's lineage. The high priest and the priests come through Levi's line, uh, specifically the line of Aaron for the high priest. Uzziah was not from the tribe of Levi. He was from the tribe of Judah. And so when he comes into the temple to make a sacrifice, the priests refuse to allow this to happen. And God even strikes uh, Uzziah with leprosy as punishment for this sin. Jotham is going to learn from Uzziah's uh, sin. Let's read, it's just a few short verses, nine verses here in, in Second Chronicles chapter 27. And then his son takes over. Jotham is so interesting because he has a righteous dad. But then Jotham begins the chronicler's new pattern to, in search of the answer to his question. Can we have relationship with God again? The Chronicler starts a brand new way of answering that question with Jotham. Jotham is a good king. He's not compared to David. He is compared to Uzziah, who is a good king. He's called righteous. God says that he, uh, toward the end of his life, that he uh, ordered his ways before the Lord, his God, in verse 6. Jotham's a good guy, a good, righteous man, a man you can rely on. A a man who relied on God. His son, if you look in chapter 28, not to get too far ahead of us, but I'm going to show my hand a little bit for next week. Ahaz is a bad, evil, wicked king along the lines of Ahab. uh, Possibly even worse than Ahab. So you've got a good king in Jotham, a bad, evil, wicked king in his son Ahaz, and a reforming king in Jotham's grandson, a guy you probably know, Hezekiah. This is kind of a big name in the Old Testament. Uh, he stood uh, in the gap and brought people back to God, demanded righteousness from his people, and was given it. And was even given a personal reprieve. So, for the next six kings, you'll find that scenario. Good king, really awful king, reforming king. A man who brings people back to God. So, Jotham is the first guy, a good, righteous king. Although he's got his problems as well, those are not even brought out for us in the book of Kings. Remember, Kings is all about pointing the finger at the people. Even Kings doesn't point the finger at this guy. He's a good king, a righteous man. Let's read about his life. Second Chronicles chapter 27, starting in verse 1. Jotham was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah had done. The exceptional kings, the great kings, are going to be compared back to not their father, not their righteous father or their grandfather, but back to David himself. So while this man is good, uh, the chronicler is tipping his hat a little bit here, um, comparing him to Uzziah instead of the great king David. Here's what he, here's the exception uh, to his life as opposed to his dad. Finish the verse 2, he says, Except he did not enter the temple of the Lord. So Uzziah, filled with pride, walked into the temple and thought that he could fulfill the role of priest and king. Very much like you find with Melchizedek this morning. He wanted this double honor. And God says, it's not for you. You're the king. somebody else's job is the priest. So, but he wanted, wanted that double honor. But his son has learned his lesson. He's not going to fall for that particular sin. It seems like, Uzzah, or it seems like Jotham does not struggle with pride. And after seeing his father punished for that particular sin, maybe we, we can understand why. What's so interesting, though, is the rest of verse 2. But the people still followed corrupt practices. You've got a good, righteous king, a good man. But the people are doing whatever they want to do. It's it's interesting. I think that plays into what the main point that God wants us to learn from Jotham here. We'll get to that in just a second. Let's finish out his story, and then we'll come back to what God wants us to learn from this man's life. Verse 3, he says, He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. Now, if you can picture in in your mind a map, the the temple is here the palace is here they're very close to each other and there's a wall that separates them he rebuilt that wall jotham rebuilt the wall in between the palace and the temple now why is that so interesting why did the chronicler choose that little tidbit of information to give us because his dad was completely happy to metaphorically break down that wall wasn't he he wanted to have that double honor And Jotham sees, apparently here, the chronicler wants us to read between the lines, Jotham sees the distinction here. He's not going to struggle with pride like his dad does, and he's going to rebuild the upper gate of the house of the Lord, um, I guess so to speak, to keep himself in his role as king, as opposed to his dad, who wanted king and priest, who wanted to be both. So he... He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord and did much building on the wall of Ophel, moreover, he built cities in the hill country of Judah and forts and towers on the wooded hills. Now, if you stop right there, maybe you want to underline "built every time you see it in these first four verses or so. the word in Hebrew is actually rebuilt He built them again. who built them the first time his dad his dad rebuilt or built these the first time. And so he is just following in his father's footsteps of righteousness, except for that one little thing where he walked into the temple and um, because of his pride was punished. And so he is rectifying the mistakes that his dad made while at the same time doing the righteous things his dad did. He's learned the lesson, right? That's what we want for our children. We want you... Uh, We want our kids to see and walk in our righteousness while rectifying our mistakes and going ahead of us, right? He's standing on the shoulders of a giant. He's standing on the shoulders of a spiritual giant, and he's making progress, right? He's doing better than his dad had done. Jotham is a good man. Listen to what else he says in verse 5. He fought with the king of the Ammonites and prevailed against them. And the Ammonites gave him that year a hundred talents of silver, each talent's about seventy-five pounds. This is an egregious amount of silver. It's about three tons worth of silver, and ten thousand cores of wheat and ten thousand of barley. A core's about six bushels. So imagine ten thousand donkeys worth of bushel. And, uh, <coughs> sorry, ten thousand donkeys worth of wheat and of barley on their way from Ammon to, to Judah. It happens for three years in a row, with three tons of silver being followed behind them. His dad also fought against the Ammonites. Remember, his dad cleared uh, all the enemies around them, north, east, west, south, everywhere around them. Uzziah was clearing out the battlefields. Um, Jotham is doing the exact same thing here with Ammon. He's learned He's learning from his dad and doing the right things. And apparently, God's blessing him, right? You'll find that right here in, uh, in verse 6. Well, back in verse 5, The Ammonites paid him the same amount in the second and the third years. So Jotham became mighty because he, what? Ordered his ways before the Lord his God. So Jotham prioritized his life in order to do what God wanted him to do. Was that easy? No, right? He had to make sacrifices. We're not told of those sacrifices in Scripture, but we know that from our own lives, don't we? If you order your life so that God comes first, it means the things that you want have to come second, or fifth, or tenth, or not at all, right? Because you're going after, you're prioritizing what he wants. Jotham is doing that. Look in verse uh, 7. Now, the rest of the acts of Jotham and all his wars and his ways, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And Jotham slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Ahaz, his son, reigned in his place. That last little section there, you may want to underline in verse 9, they buried him in the city of David. Because that hasn't happened in a bit, has it? Ha, have you been? Have you noticed? Uzziah wasn't buried in the city of David because he had leprosy. He was buried in a field, and several hundred years later, they found his bones and were they were carried back over to Mount to the Mount of Olives. And apparently, you can still see a tomb that claims to from the first century claims to have his bones interred there. This is something new again. Not many kings over the last couple of generations have been buried in the city of David, but Jotham is, and it's a way of acknowledging his righteousness. Again, his son in, verse 20, in chapter 28 is not going to be a good man. And so you kind of got to wonder, what's, what's the chronicler trying to get us to see right here? What's the point that he wants us to get out of Jotham's life? Remember, the, the goal of the book of Chronicles is to answer that one question. Can we still have relationship with God? Or is that relationship broken? Is it gone? Because there can, you can come to a point where God cuts you off, right? Where he's no longer your God and you're no longer his person. They're going to get to that point. Judas coming up on that point very quickly. Much quicker than that, though. Israel, the northern nation of Israel, is hurtling towards that point in their lives where God will cut them off. In fact, Hosea and Amos are prophesying right now, during during this time period, saying God's cut you off. You're no longer His people. When you pray, He's not going to hear you. He uh, He isn't satiated by your sacrifices anymore. You have incurred His wrath. Certainly, there can come a time when God cuts us off. When our rebellion and our sin have so, are so steadfast in our hearts, he can't have anything to do with us. It's possible. The chronicler is asking the question that Israel has on every heart, every lip. Uh, every Israelite is asking this singular question while they're sitting there next to the river uh, in, in Babylon. Are, is God done with us? Is it over? Will we ever return to the glory days of David and Solomon when God was with us, when he resided in our presence? Are those days gone? I think the chronicler does something really beautiful here with Jotham and with Ahaz and, and with Hezekiah. But he starts it right here with Jotham. And I think it's our point for tonight. Every individual gets to make their own decision. Ahaz isn't going to be righteous because Jotham was righteous. Jotham wasn't righteous because his dad, Uzziah, was righteous. He made his own decision. He decided to order his ways according to the Lord. He decided to do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He made these decisions. And so if you make those decisions... If you put in the work to know him and to grow up inside of him, what happens? God will bless you with that, right? Is it Matthew that says, if you seek him, you'll find him, right? Is that Matthew 6? Seek and you shall find, knock, the door will be opened unto you. Jotham sought after the Lord and he was found by him. I think what God wants us to see is just because your spouse is righteous does not make you righteous. Just because your mom and dad was righteous doesn't make you righteous. Just because you hang out with righteous friends does not make you righteous. The righteousness comes from you putting in the hard work every single day To do what is right according to the eyes of the Lord. To order your life so that he is your number one priority. I think that's one of the lessons that we can and should be learning from from Jotham's life. It's a short story, right? Such a powerful, impactful life he had. This evening, if you're struggling with prioritizing your life, After God's ideals. That's a normal struggle, isn't it? That's something we all deal with. We just have to build inside of us the heart to do that. The desire to do that. Well, How do you get that desire? You stick with Him. You stick in this Word. And He gives you that desire. And is it always easy? No. No. Many, many times it's very, very difficult. But what? If you seek Him, He will be found by you. It's in James. James says, you draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Right? Because He's not far from each one of us. That's what Paul says in Acts 17 as he's talking to the people on Mars Hill. He wants to be close to you. Do you want to be close to Him? Jotham wanted to be close to Him. Do You. So that's the question you have to decide on tonight. Do you want to be close to God and have you put in the time and the effort to do so? The very first step is to be baptized into his blood, having your sins washed away. And only then can you have relationship. Maybe you need to make that decision tonight. To have your sins washed away, to become a part of his family so that he can be your intercessor. So that he can be your advocate like we talked about this morning. So that he can be your safety, like he was for Jotham. Maybe you've already made that decision tonight, and you just need the prayers of this congregation to be who God would have you to be. Why don't you come tonight as we stand and sing?
1: All oh, things are ready. Come to the feast. Come to the table now.
4: Good evening, church family. <clears throat> uh, a couple announcements before we are dismissed. As a reminder, uh, Sunday, January 2nd, we'll start back Sunday for the Savior. This is for grades 5th uh, grade and under um, at 5 o'clock. Also, uh, next Wednesday will be a devotional only. There will be no Bible class, um, so there will be only a devotional this Wednesday. Also, on Wednesday, January the 5th, we'll have Stepping Stone Supper. Spaghetti is on the menu. We'll be starting that back again. So I do encourage you to come to that and put that on your calendars. Remember to continue to keep Rusty Leap in your prayers at this time. Remember to continue to keep uh, Judy Gerald's brother, uh, Buddy Graham, uh, family passed away. Uh, Buddy, um, some of y'all may have known him as Quirky. Um, but uh, he passed away. So remember that family in your prayers at this time. Remember to continue to keep Marvin Jordan and Judy Jordan in your prayers. Uh, remember to continue to pray for Larry Faulkner and Kristen Ward and Tanya Ward's stepdad, David Pettiford. Um And also all the ones that are traveling this week. So remember all those who are traveling that they get to their destination safely. That's all the announcements I have. If you had not had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, It has been prepared in the conference room. You may leave and do that now. We will sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer.
0: Our last song this evening, this afternoon, is number 947. 947, Jesus, let us come to know you.
1: Jesus.
0: will you pray with me dear lord thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us and thank you for allowing us to come together in your name lord please be with all of those that dave mentioned a minute ago and please be with the leap family and help rusty to recover soon lord please be with us throughout the week and help us to have your understanding not only of your word but of all the times that are going on around us in jesus name we pray